The world is ending. Again. Doomsdayers and apocalyptic prophets have warned of coming calamity for millennia. Still, humanity persists. This podcast invites entrepreneurs, scholars, community leaders, artists, and many others to envision the end of the world according to their expertise. I'm Vera Rose Smith, your host, and this is Art at the End of the World. Today we welcome Yannick Maurice, PhD, Professor of Physics and Astronomy at the University of Iowa. Dr. Maurice specializes in theoretical elementary particle physics, lattice gauge theory, and optical lattices. Dr. Maurice is also passionate about the intersections of art and science and has taught introductory classes on the topic in collaboration with Anita Jung at the University of Iowa. Our conversation was recorded on Wednesday, April 29th, 2020. To begin, tell us about yourself and your current role. Okay, so I am a professor in the Department of Physics and Astronomy. And so I've been at the university since 1990. I am a theoretical particle physicist. Uh, my main interests are related to what we call the strong interaction. So this is what binds the quarks and the gluons inside the protons and neutrons, and also generate the masses of uh, basically uh, everything we see uh, and uh, can touch. And uh, so they are very challenging from, uh, from the point of view of uh, doing a calculation. And uh, we need to uh, use a space-time lattice <laughs> to uh, do the numerical calculation for this type of uh, inter uh, interaction. And so it's uh, like a mesh, uh, but in uh, four dimensions where space you have three space and the one time dimension. And so we use or build a large computer to do these uh, calculations. And uh, I'm also interested in uh, the idea that the Higgs particle that was discovered in the 2012 could be a composite object with new type of uh, strong interactions. Uh, I also have been involved in uh, something called quantum computing. And uh, so it's uh, something very new and very exciting. And uh, uh, so it, you use quantum mechanics to do calculation. And so it, it's, it's a really, some, uh, really new and exciting. And so I work with graduate students, postdocs, colleagues at here and at uh, other university. I'm the principal investigator of a large department of energy grant, which involve six other uh, universities like Boston University, MIT, Michigan State, Syracuse, Maryland, and uh, uh, Santa Barbara, UC Santa Barbara. And so we are developing uh, quantum computing for high energy physics and uh, strong interaction. And so it's called the QLAP uh, collaboration. So that's more give you a, an idea of the things I'm doing these days. Thank you. That's amazing. I understood about one in five of your words with, uh, okay, well, <laughs> in regards to physics because I just have no background really. Um, and so that's so exciting, quantum computing. And yep. this is a highly collaborative field, obviously. Um, yep, how, did, yep. how, did, how did you get interested in this work? Well, uh, so uh, I always have been interested in the uh, basic uh, quantum mechanics and how to 
manipulate a uh, few degrees of freedom. And uh, uh, recently, uh, I've talked to people who can trap atoms in uh, something called optical lattices, uh, so which are like counter-propagating lasers. And uh, so you can really uh, use physical object to do a computation, and that's something that uh, has fascinated me for the last uh, 10 years, and so I, I've been involved very actively now in, in that area. So as an artist, I feel like I do a lot of physical computation with objects, but maybe not in the same way that you do. What do you think is the connection between art and physics? Uh, so I, I, I uh, experience uh, myself, uh, the, the idea of doing art from physics products by first uh, working in the classical mechanics. Uh, so I was uh, working with uh, something called a double pendulum. <laughs> so it's a uh, so it's a two pendulum attached to each other, and so it has. You need four variables to describe it. <laughs> so you have two angles and two velocities, and uh, to try to figure out how it behaves, we uh, do something called Poincaré sections. <laughs> And so when the two arms of the, the pendulums are aligned, we take a picture of the position and velocity of the first one. And so that was a technique invented by a French mathematician at the uh, end of the 19th century. And uh, so I thought the picture were really good looking <laughs> and I converted them in the prints. And uh, so I had a small exhibit at the hospital in uh, 2016. And, and uh, then I got interested in uh, using randomness to recreate the texture of uh, printmaking. <laughs> and I uh, worked on the first year seminar with a few people here. Uh, one of them is uh, Anita Jung. She's in the print. Uh, she's in the printmaking uh, uh, department. And uh, uh, Diane Wortman, so she is uh, running a Nexus in the engineering department, so which is about art and science. And then uh, also somebody from the museum, Kimberly uh, Datchuk. So we work together with the first year student to uh, help them use computer program to create uh, images that are interesting and uh, then we printed them with at the studio in the uh, visual art building and uh, so for me uh, the the two things are so art and science are very uh, much related uh, so at a more at a deeper level uh, so in uh, mathematics, you have more possibilities to create things that are new and that are beautiful. And one of them is uh, something cool called uh, group theory. Uh, so it's <laughs> it's a branch of uh, mathematics that uh, uh, has a very beautiful aspect and that were used in particle physics to understand what the what we call the standard model of uh, strong interaction and 
electroweak interactions. Uh, and uh, so it's an example where something that was developed for its beauty uh, has met uh, nature, uh, the way nature uh, behaves. It's not always the case, but so that was a very happy <laughs> uh, event. And uh, so that's, uh, for me, the, the two activities are uh, very related because we probably would have never heard of group theory if uh, people didn't think it was uh, beautiful at some point. <laughs> Oh, that's wonderful. I love the idea of beauty as a way to get people interested in broader concerns about our world and about physics. So mm -hmm. for, for a very general audience, how would you define physics in just in general? What is the base level definition of physics? Well, so physics is a kind of a dialogue between the theory and the experiment, I would say. So the theorists uh, use the language of uh, mathematics. And so it has very uh, elegance and the beauty, uh, I think very important in uh, the, the formation of uh, mathematical idea. And then you have to confront your ideas with uh, reality and do experiment and uh, uh, one, uh, very important event was a, a Newton who developed a mathematical tool at the same time as he understood uh, classical mechanics and explained how apples fall from the trees and the planets move around the sun. But at the same time, he developed uh, the tool to do it. And uh, so uh, the uh, physics happens uh, and develops when theory and experiment get together and especially when you can make predictions so when you can uh, think of something that has never been seen and then you tell uh, an experimentalist to try it and, and uh, so it happened uh, like uh, three times in my in my uh, lifetime where uh, theories that I knew and I i mean I was too young to uh, be involved in the uh, building but I knew some of the people who, who, who uh, proposed them and so we had uh, experimental confirmation in uh, 83, 94 and 2012 and so that's uh, a real uh, accomplishment that will be remembered for many many years. <laughs> oh congratulations it's amazing to think of a lifetime of work coming down to three wonderful instances where everything comes together. And so why do this work? Oh, <laughs> um, you know, it's, uh, it, it gives you uh, power to figure out what all things work. And uh, so it's, it's, it's really exciting when you can figure out the way things uh, are working and uh, where you can also influence them in, in some sense by proposing new things to do. And uh, so uh, it's a mixing of, uh, you know, something that is very elegant and something that is uh, useful. And uh, so I, I think it's a great field. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your passion is so clear in how you speak about physics. Thank you.
what do you wish more people understood about physics? Huh. Uh, so one uh, very important uh, idea in uh, physics is the, the idea of uh, symmetry. And uh, so it has played a big role in the development of the theory of uh, subconstituents, so the smallest thing you can uh, think of. Um, so the, 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 the idea that you have subconstituent is very, very old, at least. Uh, it, so it was uh, promoted by pre-Socratic uh, thinkers. And at that time, they had absolutely no idea how to make experiment to test it. But so it's uh, ingrained in the human thinking that you try to look at complexity and you, you try to uh, find things that are simpler and simpler. And uh, so when you get to the very simple things, they have a lot of uh, symmetry. So you can turn things around and uh, nothing change, if I could say, <laughs> in a, a general way. And, but uh, so the type of uh, symmetries that you can have can be very uh, sophisticated and they, they are not uh, very well known in, in general. And so that's uh, uh, something that I wish I, we could communicate better with the, the public. Thank you. So this is a little bit outside of your field, but one of the ways that physics expresses itself elegantly in everyday life is through nuclear power. And do you think this is a feasible solution to our climate crisis and our energy needs? Um, so it, it's a delicate uh, question. And I, so I am not a real expert on the nuclear technology. Um, so it is clear that the, the energies that you can use in, uh, in nuclear processes are about million times or 10 million times larger than the one that you can use in chemical process. So it seems very advantageous to, to use nuclear energy. On the other hand, what <laughs> is the advantage is also uh, pose a safety uh, issue. <laughs> And uh, because neutrons can go through uh, many things, and uh, sometimes they, they 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 start behaving in an uncontrollable way, uh, and uh, so it does not pro it does not uh, give the you know like uh, carbon dioxide or uh, things like this. So the only thing is nuclear waste. That I seem to be more controllable and maybe could be reprocessed if we had uh, if we gave more thought about this so uh i i think in the long term it's an idea that we should uh, give a lot of uh, uh, thinking about but uh so on the short term i think renewable energy should be pushed uh, as much as possible <laughs> <laughs> thank you Yes, this is a really controversial topic. Um, and we know that there have been disasters as a result of this form of energy generation that have seemed like world endings for some places, which leads to my next question. What do you think is the end of the world according to physics or the end of physics? Huh. Well, so <laughs> uh, 
so I think in a few billion years, the, the sun will become a red giant. Um, so it will burn most of its uh, helium and uh, start making heavier and more dense uh, material in the core. And then it will expand uh, first beyond Mercury <laughs> and uh, finally get, get to us. So that uh, we, we will have to do some, we will have to do something uh, at that point. But it's a call from JPS. So we will have to do something about uh, the, the sun, but we have a, a few billion years to think about it, so it's not uh, too terrible. <laughs> do you really think humanity is going to exist in a billion years? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> when we have a certain ability for self-destruction <laughs> and uh, so uh, that is, has been uh, very troublesome and so uh, one of the thing I did with the artist here uh, is uh, with a small exhibit on the destroyed city with uh, Anita Jung and so we took uh, destroyed building in uh, due to uh, bombing and so they they are very uh, appealing from a visual point of view because they have a lot of uh, structure and texture but uh, so the the main question is uh, is this going to <laughs> propagate everywhere or is this going to resolve itself and so i think we have much more chance to destroy ourselves than uh, being destroyed by the, the sun becoming a red giant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I unfortunately agree with you. Is there a limit to what human beings can understand about physics? Uh, I, I don't really <laughs> see one. Uh, we keep looking at shorter and shorter distance. That's, uh, that's one direction and uh, as long as we have the time and the resource to do it we seem to find new things uh, we will probably uh, at some point find something that is very different from uh, quantum mechanics and uh, so i believe it will be very exciting i don't know if it is in 10 years or in uh, 5000 years but uh, so i i don't see a limit of uh, going to shorter and shorter uh, distance. Uh, on the other side, there is uh, all complexity uh, is uh, generated from basic uh, principle. And uh, so this is also a, a difficult uh, problem or by, I mean, all the field of uh, life and the biology comes out uh, carbon, oxygen, and uh, uh, other chemical. And so, uh, again, I personally don't see uh, any limit in uh, uh, trying to understand this process. <laughs>
That's really right. helpful yep. to me. Yeah. I, I love the idea that we can continue to explore both out into scales that we can't even fathom with our own bodies, but maybe with mathematics, we can learn about them. And then even at scales that are so small, we can still not perceive with our bodies, but learn about them mathematically. That's, that's really beautiful. How do you think the pandemic will affect the future of physics research? Hmm. Uh, so I think the first uh, goal should be to restore the the, the activity in the laboratories because it's a it's a really big problem when you're uh, the, I mean I have uh, friends I'm col collaborating with a experimentalist at the University of Maryland and they say the the lab is a uh, mothballed <laughs> so it's they cannot get into it and uh, so it's a, it's a big big problems I I know other people who have been able to operate remotely uh, but so I, I I think the the main thing for the scientific activity to resume is to uh, find ways for uh, experimentalists to go back in their labs and uh, do what they, they want to do for theory it has uh, very little uh, implications so we keep <laughs> meeting on zoom and uh, connecting to computers uh, so it, it has uh, except for our mood it doesn't have too much uh, impact so far yeah i think this is a era in human history that is definitely privileging the theoretical so i'm interested to see how this time will affect all fields of research uh -huh. thank yeah thank you for that insight what gives you hope right now? Oh, uh, you know, seeing uh, young people <laughs> uh, having ideas and uh, uh, thinking about new things and uh, trying to do what should be done to help others. So that's, uh, and uh, so I, and I have uh, really incredibly nice children for, and, uh, uh, family and so that's give me a lot of uh, uh, hope for the, the future of the <laughs> of the world oh yeah me too it is it's nice to see people stepping up and finding new ways to help each other is there anything else i should have asked or anything else you'd like to tell us about your explorations of physics and art um <laughs> well uh so yeah, so uh, one, so I talk about the symmetry. Uh, another aspect that is uh, very interesting and I didn't talk too much about is a randomness. So the, the fact that you can uh, generate things that appear, uh, I mean, they're usually reproducible, but they appear to come at uh, random and uh, uh, see if uh, some kind of order uh, can be generated through the, the chaos. <laughs> uh, and uh, so one, we have a new printing project with uh, Anita Jung, which uh, was inspired by uh, uh, Mondrian <laughs> work. And at the same time, I was doing simulation for a study, a 
model in statistical mechanics and uh, found correspond i mean uh, things that looked a little bit like a mondrian experiment and so we we are trying to make prints about uh, uh, these uh, random pattern that we found in the study of uh, statistical mechanics so that uh, and so i hope to keep uh, working with uh, artists to uh, get an outlet for things that come from physics and I think are beautiful. That's so cool. I can't wait to see those new prints. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we should start a service where we connect physicists to artists and <laughs> uh -huh. create new beautiful work in the world. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's wonderful. And I know that you teach a class like that too. Yeah, I teach a first year mm -hmm. seminar. Uh, so it has been very nice. One thing that I notice is, uh, uh, so students use in their first week of the first year seminar, they get to use a computer program to modify images. And uh, people who thought they had no interest in uh, computing uh, start getting interested when they see they can do something themselves. <laughs> like uh, changing an image and uh, so that has been very inspiring for me that uh, by looking at the artistic side you could develop also the scientific uh, side of uh, students that's wonderful thank you so so much for your time this has been art at the end of the world with Beryl rose smith tune in next week to learn about another way the world might end the music for this podcast was written, performed, and produced by Gabby Vanek. You can hear more of her work at her SoundCloud, which is linked in the show notes. Thanks, Gabby, and thanks all of you for listening.